Hometown Ghost Stories contains serious and often distressing events and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. This week on Hometown Ghost Stories, Newport, Rhode Island is known for its haunted history and its sprawling Gilded Age mansions. On this episode, we dive into the history of the Belcourt Castle, the Breakers Mansion, and Rough Point Mansion, where the richest woman in America may have gotten away with murder. This is episode number 42 of Hometown Ghost Stories, The Haunted Mansions of Newport, Rhode Island. Newport, Rhode Island. 2020. Shirley ran through in her head everything she was supposed to do before leaving for the night. She cursed herself for not taking notes when Mrs. Clark explained it to her earlier in the day. It was her first night closing up shop at the Rough Point Mansion, and she arrogantly made mental notes rather than writing everything down. I think I just shut off the lights and lock up, she said out loud. The echo of her voice bounced around the immense foyer, sending a chill down her spine. The building gave her the creeps during the day, never mind alone at night. She stepped out into the night air, pulling shut the colossal wooden door behind her and locking it. She thought about how quirky Miss Clark and the rest of the staff were. She liked them, but they were definitely a unique cast of characters. Not in an alarming way, but just the little things like how particular they were about seemingly pointless things. The chairs had to be pushed in, but not touching the table. Hand towels had to be folded a particular way. Oh, and you have to say goodnight to Doris before leaving for the night. Definitely didn't do that. Oops. Shirley chuckled to herself. She reached into her pocketbook for her keys, but was suddenly struck by the feeling of someone watching her. She turned around, quickly scanning her surroundings, but didn't see anything. She started walking nervously back towards the mansion, clutching her keys between her fingers, cautiously glancing left to right. Nobody in sight. She stood there for a moment, contemplating. Must have just been her nerves. This place did give her the creeps. She looked up at the looming mass of brick gables in front of her. She squinted at one of the upstairs windows, and what appeared to be the figure of a woman came into focus. She quickly took off her glasses and wiped them on her shirt. With trembling fingers, she went to put the glasses back on, but managed to drop them in the dirt. She scrambled to pick them up and put them back on, and when she looked up at the window, the woman was gone. She collected herself and made her way back to the front door, unlocking it and slowly creaking it open. She took a deep breath and whispered, Good night, Doris. And stood there for a moment, almost expecting to hear good night back. But there was just the deafening silence of empty halls. She laughed nervously and went to close the door. Just then, she heard the faint voice of Doris Duke singing her favorite song, echoing through the halls from the room where she saw the silhouette of the woman in the window. I'm Jesse Wilkins, 
and this is Hometown Ghost Stories, the haunted mansions of Newport, Rhode Island. Breakers. On November 25, 1892, the sprawling mansion in Newport, Rhode Island, burned to the ground. The fire started in the kitchen and quickly spread through the brick and shingle structure. The Vanderbilt family vowed to rebuild the mansion and make it as fireproof as possible. In its place, the 70-room, five-story mansion would be built as a summer home for the family. Cornelius and Alice Vanderbilt married in 1876 and had seven children. While they had a seemingly bottomless pit of money, Alice's life would be marred by tragedy, seeing four of her children die, as well as her husband. Alice reigned as the matriarch of the Vanderbilt family for 60 years and died in 1934. Many believe that her ghost never left the Breaker's mansion. Her ghostly apparition has been spotted in different rooms throughout the house. She has been described as a friendly ghost and has been seen by family members, servants, and visitors. Alice mostly remains on the second floor, where her bedroom is. The Breakers is open year-round for tours, but they don't entertain the idea of paranormal investigations. So if you want to find evidence of Alice's ghost, you'll have to visit during business hours to try to see her for yourself. The Belcourt Castle Construction on the Belcourt Castle began in 1891. It was owned by Oliver Belmont and was used as a summer getaway and a bachelor pad. Belmont would eventually marry Alva Vanderbilt, a recently divorced socialite, who added her own touch to the house after their wedding. The mansion would stay in the Belmont family until 1940, where it would change owners a few times before being purchased by the Tinneys, who lived at the house for 56 years. In 2012, it was sold to the owner of Alex and Annie's Jewelry Company, who has been restoring the castle to its former glory. For decades, the castle has built a reputation of being one of the most haunted locations in Newport, Rhode Island. Over the 50-plus years that the Tinneys lived in the house, they collected artwork from all over the world, including antiques, paintings, and armor. They believe some of these items that they brought into the castle may have had spirits attached to them, some with tragic tales, and others that are just pure evil and refuse to leave the home. Two gothic chairs in the grand ballroom have been roped off now, for good reason. Harley always believed that these items were haunted. Just touching the chairs will send chills down your spine. They were roped off after a woman attempted to sit down while on a tour. She was immediately thrown from the chair by an unseen force, sending her crashing to the ground and sliding across the ballroom floor. Objects move around the castle, and disembodied voices have been heard countless times throughout the years. It's said that at least 16 ghosts haunt the castle. Harley started seeing the ghost of a monk. He was dressed in a brown cloak and was seen moving up and down the staircase. At the foot of the stairs sat a German statue of a monk that they now believe may have been the source of the haunting. The ghost always seemed to be near the statue, so they moved the monk. They took the statue to the Gothic ballroom. Shortly after, she began seeing the ghost moving around that room. Eventually, they moved the statue into the chapel, and the ghost was never seen again. Perhaps the most famous and chilling haunted item at the Belcourt Castle 
is a suit of armor, believed to be formerly owned by a knight who died a gruesome death. When they walked by the suit of armor, they would sometimes hear faint moans. It sounded like these moans were coming from inside the armor. One night, Donald heard the noise, and he stopped dead in his tracks. He moved closer to the suit of armor, seeing if he could hear it again. He got closer and closer, but still nothing. He put his ear up to the faceplate, and just then, the suit of armor let out a blood-curdling scream, which the Tinnies described as being the sound of a man being dealt a fatal blow, screaming for his life. The screams would echo through the hallways multiple times over the years, until the Tinnies sold the castle. Rough Point Mansion Doris Duke was born on November 22, 1912, in New York City. She was the only child of tobacco tycoon James Buchanan Duke and his second wife, Nanaline Inman. She spent most of her childhood at Duke Farms in New Jersey. In her adult life, Doris used her wealth to pursue a variety of interests, traveling the world, and building a prestigious art collection. During World War II, she worked for $1 a year in a canteen in Egypt serving sailors. She briefly worked as a foreign correspondent for the International News Service reporting from war-ravaged Europe. She spoke French fluently and moved to Paris, where she wrote for Harper's Bazaar magazine. Doris eventually moved to Hawaii, where she became the first non-Hawaiian woman to take up competitive surfing. She played piano her entire life and befriended many jazz musicians. She also sang in a gospel choir. In 1962, her mother died, leaving her $250 million, as well as her jewelry collection. She was nicknamed the world's richest girl, and for a time, she was the most wealthy woman in the United States. She was a savvy businesswoman, and she would triple her father's fortune over time. Doris Duke married twice, allegedly. First in 1935 to James Cromwell, the stepson of a wealthy financier. The couple had a daughter, Arden, who was born prematurely on July 11, 1940, and she died the following day. After the death of her only child, she began contacting psychic mediums, bringing them to her house in Newport to connect with her daughter. She would never stop searching for answers. Later in life, in 1988, she would adopt Shandy Hefner, a 32-year-old woman who she believed was the reincarnation of her deceased daughter. Duke would marry again on September 1, 1947, when she became the third wife of Profirio Rubirosa, a diplomat from the Dominican Republic. Their marriage wouldn't last, and according to Joe Castro, an American jazz pianist, he secretly married Doris in 1956, but this relationship would end after one drunken night when Castro made fun of her piano playing and she stabbed him with a butcher knife. According to the New York Times, Joe sued Miss Duke for $150,000 after she stabbed him in the arm. She owned a number of homes from Hawaii to Beverly Hills, two apartments in Manhattan, as well as another apartment near Times Square. She mostly stayed at Duke Farms in New Jersey and spent her summers at the 49-room mansion which she inherited in Newport, Rhode Island, known as Rough Point. Doris was known to be extremely jealous and possessive. She was also paranoid from an early age. Many believe this was due to her father's last words to her, which were, trust no one. As she grew older, these tendencies worsened. She became extremely reclusive and isolated and began spending more time at the Rough Point Estate, a Gilded Age mansion that her father purchased from the Vanderbilt family. Eduardo Torella was an actor, a war hero, and a renaissance man. He had earned a bronze star during World War II after his heroic efforts during the Battle of the Bulge. 
He had worked for Doris Duke for nearly a decade as the artistic curator and designer of Duke's estates. On October 6, 1966, Eduardo Torello flew into Newport, Rhode Island. He was met at the airport by Doris Duke. What Doris didn't know yet was that Eduardo planned to end their business relationship to pursue his blossoming career in Hollywood. He had flown to Rhode Island to assist Doris with one final piece of art, a religious relic, the statue of St. Ursula. The following afternoon, around 5 p.m., they were set to head into town to purchase the statue. This was when Eduardo informed Doris that this would be his final job. And it was. According to the staff at Rough Point, the two got into a screaming match outside of a station wagon, which Torella had rented. They eventually got into the car and headed for the gates of the mansion. Eduardo was behind the wheel. He stopped the car about 15 feet from the gates, put the car in park using the parking brake, and then got out of the vehicle to open the gates. Doris then slid into the driver's seat, released the parking brake, shifted into drive, and stomped on the gas. The two-ton car smashed through the gates directly into Eduardo, who instinctively hopped onto the hood of the car, breaking his hip in the process. He let out a scream, and once in the middle of the road, Doris tapped on the brake, sending him toppling into the street. She then stepped on the gas again, crushing his body under the rear axle and crashing into a tree across the street. Eduardo Torella died instantly, suffering massive brain injuries, as well as damage to his lungs and spinal cord. Despite eyewitnesses claiming she had zero physical injuries, Doris was rushed to the hospital, where she promptly put Dr. Philip McAllister on her payroll, the same doctor who would be in charge of determining Torello's cause of death. Dr. McAllister isolated Doris from law enforcement, so they were unable to question her at the time. Eventually, Joseph Radice, the police chief, who decided that he would be taking control of the investigation on his own, sat down with Doris inside of her bedroom at the Rough Point Mansion, where he asked her a total of four questions and declared that the death was accidental, closing the case after just three days. Doris claimed that the car had accidentally leapt forward when she released the parking brake. She then accidentally stepped on the gas instead of the brake, sending the car forward, pinning Torella against the iron gates, crushing him to death. She also claimed that the reason that she got behind the wheel in the first place was to drive the vehicle through the gates after Torella opened them. She said that they had done this routine a hundred times before. However, staff at Rough Point say otherwise. Eight days later, Doris Duke began making sizable donations, including $25,000 to restore the cliff walk and $10,000 to the Newport Hospital. Seven months later, Police Chief Radice retired and somehow was able to afford a pair of condos in Florida. The inspector who questioned Duke after the death became the new police chief, despite the fact that a much more qualified successor had already been lined up to take the job. Torella's family would sue Duke for wrongful death, and while she was earning around $1 million a week in interest alone at the time, she refused to pay the family $200,000 and decided to fight it out in court. In the end, Doris was found negligent in Eduardo's homicide, but her legal team dragged his name through the mud in the process insinuating that his life wasn't worth $200,000 because he was a gay man in the 1960s. After legal fees, Torello's family was awarded just over $28,000. Torello's niece saw the sudden birth of philanthropy and the conveniently timed promotions of everyone involved in the case as evidence of a cover-up. Quote, She killed him twice. She destroyed his body, then eviscerated his memory. In August of 2021, the case was reopened after an eyewitness came forward. Peter Lance, an award-winning journalist and former Newport native, had been researching the case for years. He published the book Homicide at Rough Point, 
which draws on newly uncovered evidence from photos of the crime scene to conveniently lost police reports. He argued that Doris Duke killed Torella with intent. At a book signing for Homicide at Rough Point, a man came forward claiming to be a former Newport paper boy who had been in the area when the crash happened. Bob Walker, who was 13 years old at the time, claimed to hear the initial crash. Then he heard a man screaming. Then he heard a secondary crash. The paper boy arrived on the scene where he found Doris standing outside the vehicle. She stood in his way as he tried to get closer to look underneath the car to see if anybody was trapped underneath. She continued to move in his line of sight and ordered him to leave. Officer Eddie Angel, who was the first to respond to the scene of the accident, noticed skin and blood in the middle of the road. Both of these accounts debunked the theory that Torella died while being pinned up against the gate. However, police once again reaffirmed the department's initial conclusion that there was, quote, no new evidence that warrants further review. And they closed the case once again. Doris Duke died on October 28, 1993 after a stroke. Rumors swirled after her death, ranging from suicide to murder, due to her habit of regularly changing her last will and testament, but no court case was ever filed. We visited the Rough Point Mansion in Newport, Rhode Island. We initially pulled in just to check out another Newport mansion, but it was closed. Before heading in, I did a quick Google search on the property and read about the possible murder case. The house was predictably beautiful, with countless pieces of Duke's art collection that she had amassed over her lifetime. There was lots of antique furniture and an incredible view of the ocean. The statue of St. Ursula, the final piece of art that Eduardo Torella was hired to assess, still sits at the bottom of the massive staircase. Needless to say, the staff at Rough Point dismissed the claims that she had killed Torello, and they didn't want to entertain the idea that she had stabbed their former husband with a butcher knife. Before we left, the staff did tell us something that we didn't know about the mansion. It's absolutely haunted. The basement is closed to the public, but it's apparently a maze of hallways, and it's easy to get lost. One night, while making his way to the pool in the basement, a tour guide rounded the corner and saw a man cross from right to left. He thought nothing of it at first, but thought he was supposed to be the only one on that floor. He continued down the hall and had an uneasy feeling that was quickly turning to terror. There was nothing down that hallway to the left. Why did the man go that way? Was he just standing there waiting for him to cross? Was this a prank? What was he doing there? Maybe he was getting the layout confused, but to his horror, when he approached the hallway that the man walked down, he was correct. As he rounded the corner, there was no door. He was staring at a dead end. The man had vanished. Two employees at the mansion, one named Susan and another named Donna, were in the basement when they started to also get an eerie feeling, so they snapped a few photos. They were surprised to see that they had captured orbs in these pictures. Another tour guide explained to us that on multiple occasions, she would hear the grandfather clock go off. What's chilling about her story is that when she would hear it, nobody else in the room seemed to notice. She would bring it up to the people standing right next to her, and they would all look at her like she was crazy. What's even more chilling is that the clock hasn't worked in decades. Another tour guide named Jan told us that on one particular night, she was shutting off lights in the mansion. You can't shut them off all at once. You have to go room by room. She began making her way through the house, room by room, shutting off all the lights. The house was completely silent, and you could hear a pin drop. As she made her way into the great hall and shut off the lights, 
she heard the distinct sounds of a man's footsteps rapidly coming towards her. She described these as the footsteps coming from an Oxford shoe. Thinking it was one of her colleagues, she called out, Hi, it's Jan. I'll be with you in a minute. But there was no answer, because nobody was there. The staff at Rough Point Mansion have a tradition. Every night while closing up, just as they were about to leave, they call out, Good night, Doris. One night while a new employee was about to exit, she realized that she forgot to say good night. She made her way back to the building and opened the door. She whispered, Good night, Doris. As she stood there for a moment, almost expecting to hear it back, she heard nothing. But as she went to close the door, she heard the voice of Doris Duke singing her favorite song from the upstairs bedroom. I'm Jesse Wilkins, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories, Newport, Rhode Island's Haunted Mansions. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into Hometown Ghost Stories, episode number 42, The Newport Mansions. I'm Jesse Wilkins. I'm joined by Rob Coakley. What's up, Rob? I need somebody to leave me just $250 million when they die. Just anyone. Anyone in the chat. Just throw me in the will for 250 Thanks. Yeah, that'd be nice. That'd be nice. Yeah. Uh, and we're also joined by Dave. What's up, Dave? What's going on? I just want to say that my favorite ghost that we've covered up to this point is now the Screaming Suit of Armor. 100%. Screaming, screaming suit of armor. That's at uh, the Belcourt Castle. That's insane. That's, <laughs> that's not <laughs> the best one. How obnoxious would that be? You're just trying to go like sweep up the Grand Hall and it's just, ah, <laughs> shut up. So shut loud up. and echoey. Yeah. But, but terrifying too. Like imagine just walking by that thing and it's just screaming at you. I mean, <laughs> I mean I'm mean, i sort of desensitized to suits of armor because we see your brother Andrew play an accordion in a set all the time but yeah he doesn't actually scream at us so that would be uh, a bit chilling given the right circumstances well we got to give him one of those aztec death whistles (laughs) oh my god that thing so dave got one Uh, we talked about this in a side content episode oh you had it ready to go oh look at that um go on do you want to demonstrate it's not it's going to clip the microphone you're not going to hear it (laughs) all right never mind we'll save that so loud Anyways, yeah. we talked about this on a side content episode, but there's this uh, Aztec. Is that what's called the Aztec death whistle? Yeah, yeah. So you just blow into it; it makes like this horrible screaming sound, which uh, I guess will be nice enough not to play it for you guys. Maybe a little one. Maybe a little light, a, a light. It's scream. not going to work. It's going to clip. It's going to clip the mic. <laughs> Maybe a pathetic Dave scream, like just a little tiny. <laughs> tiny what if? What if? Right, here we went, go. Oh. No, that just sounds like a regular whistle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible yeah. broken whistle. Didn't work. <laughs> what if you went to the other side of the house um, and did it and shut your computer off and then just left the show? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just went to bed or something. Yeah. Why don't you try that out? Yeah. Anyways, uh, <laughs> it's the one time my audio is actually not screwing up and you guys are trying to get me to screw <laughs> yeah, it up. Yeah. This just doesn't feel right. Let's, uh, let's, let's do something to screw it up. Right. Uh, just real quick, some 
formalities. I want to thank everyone who's hanging out in live chat. Soph is tuning in from the air. That means she is on a flight or flying around like Superman, which she is capable of doing both. So thank you, Soph, for tuning in. And everybody else who is here, uh, Catherine, Andrew, the whole, the whole crew, the Stephanies. I feel like I thank like 50% of the crowd when I say thank you for joining, Stephanie. And uh, yes, Matt Thomas is here as well. Ricardo, thank you all for tuning in. We always appreciate it. If uh, folks who are listening in want to join in on the live chat and, uh, and leave funny comments and throw us off course or continue the conversation, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, always live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. So Newport, Rhode Island. Uh, I love Newport. I've been there plenty of times. Always love going to the mansions. And uh, we'll talk about Rough Point in a little bit, but I do want to talk about how this episode started. So me and the wife were just like, let's let's just get away for a day, drop the kids off um, with parents and just go to Newport. It's a good time. It's only about an hour and a half, maybe hour 15 from where I'm at. Anyway, so we go down there. We're like, oh, let's go to the Belcourt because the Belcourt Castle is supposed to be, from what I understand, probably the most haunted mansion in Newport. So we go down there. The Newport... I mean, the uh, Belcourt is a private residence, so they do tours. So they are open from time to time to do tours, but it seems like it's earlier in the day. So like only around like 12 o'clock or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, so we go there and it's closed. We're like, oh, that sucks. So we kind of like circled the block. Try- We're just trying to find like the parking lot to get in and we figured it was open. It wasn't. And uh, we ended up at the Rough Point Mansion, which the doors were open. And we're like, oh, well, here's one. Let's just go see whatever this is. So we pull in and we do a quick Google search on it before we go in. Cause I'm like, maybe it's haunted. And maybe all of a sudden I'm doing an episode on Newport. And, um, I saw, you know, potential murder case. And I saw that she had stabbed a husband. <laughs> so I was like, Oh hell yeah. All right. It's got something. So at least it's got some true crime. If it has a murder, then it's probably got a ghost. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, I guess I'll just get to the story now. So we went in and, uh, we do a tour and, First thing that we asked, naturally, I'm like, all right, yeah. She, he's like, oh, yeah, this is where, uh, you know, this is where she would meet her guests. I'm like, oh, yeah, is this where she stabbed her husband? And the guy's like, no. I'm like, okay. I'm like, what about, and, and I'm like, does she drive over that other guy in the driveway outside? He goes, there was an unfortunate accident. She didn't kill <laughs> any of her husbands. I was like, oh, all right. So I didn't get thrown out, surprisingly, and then we continued the tour. But we'll get into Rough Point later because I think that's a bit more of a juicy story. We just wanted to talk about how Jesse held the tour guide at, like, gunpoint, put him in front of, like, the Charlie Day red string, like, conspiracy map, like, connecting all the dots, just chugging coffee. Like, I know what happened here. I know. <laughs> Guys, like you showed up 15 minutes before we close. I just want to get this over with. Please get out of this house. <laughs> so, anyways, it's- Jesse Jesse Googles it for five seconds before he walks. I literally in. did. I'm I an expert. Boots the door like, in. Yeah, and and my wife's just like me. So of course she's like, "How many people did she kill?" He's like, "None." <laughs> but there was an unfortunate accident. Although we'll get into it later, but that's more than the police investigation that actually happened. So. Good job, exactly. guys. Yeah, we literally did more thorough questioning than the police did. <laughs> yes. So, uh, we, yeah, so then I returned. We went to uh, the Breakers. I took the kids to the Breakers, and they actually, they loved it. It's a castle, you know, like, so they enjoyed visiting it. Mm-hmm. Um, that one seems like it's less haunted. I mean, they, they do not allow any sort of paranormal investigations. I mean, that place was like walking into like six flags with like the line outside of it. I think we went on like a Sunday or something. So it was very, very, very busy, 
they had a whole like separate building to buy tickets and then go in. So this wasn't like the rest of them. Like Rough Point, there was there was no lines. There was it was us and like one other couple doing a tour. Mm-hmm. So um the Did you choke out this tour guide as well? Or was did you leave this one alone? No, I didn't have to. Yeah, the, this one um this one was pretty straightforward. So I mean the mother, I mean, she had lost a couple of the kids early. A couple of kids died later, uh, like, you know, twenties or thirties, but she was still alive. So she was alive to see four of her children die. I don't think any of them died inside that mansion. Um, but she's supposed to haunt the place. This was their summer cottage cottage. Right. The video is like, this thing is like a, like, I I would, I don't even want to say a library. I mean, like the, the place is like, it was bigger than any house or cottage or, industrial building that I've ever been to. The place is massive. So uh whenever you right. get a nice little getaway to your seventy rooms seventy room summer cottage. Um but yeah her ghost is supposed to haunt the second floor. The house is obviously extremely nice, extremely well kept, covered with art and just statues and fountains and all, all the crazy stuff. If you've been to the breakers you know what I'm talking about. Uh but the the bedrooms are particularly creepy. They still have you know, pictures of each person inside the bedrooms. They have everything the way it was. They do feel very creepy. So I do feel like the uh, Belcourt could be haunted. They've seen her ghost around. It seems like she's the only ghost that's been spotted. It's usually on the second floor. I don't know if you guys have heard anything else about the Belcourt, but all I could find that she is the ghost who haunts the Belcourt. She's a very happy ghost, and she's happy to show guests all of her things. So um, it doesn't sound like anything evil is going on at the Belcourt. But they do have that screaming suit of armor. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm talking about the wrong face. This is the Breakers, not Belcourt. Breakers, oh. much different. Have I been saying Belcourt the entire time? Yeah, this was the Breakers. I'm sorry. I, I got no, you, you mixed it up just recently. But yeah, the Breakers. So what I would say that we need to remember is we've, we've talked about how like paranormal stuff happens in places of tragedy. But we're talking about summer home mansions where these people were going to enjoy life, basically, for the summer. They had the money to do so. Not only were they enjoying it with their family, they would throw these extravagant parties. A lot of people would go to them and have, like, the time of their life, essentially. So a lot of good memories and good good times have were had at these places. So that could be part of the hauntings for them as well. They don't have to be evil. Right. So exactly. This is one of those situations where I think maybe a lot, not all, but maybe a lot of the hauntings in these mansions are actually due to um, happier times rather than negative. Gone through how many people still go through. I mean, they're all open for tours pretty much. So, I mean, people are still going through them. And uh, you, you could also ask though, what happened before the mansions were there? You know, before that was, you know, what right. So this one, yeah, this one burnt to the ground and then they rebuilt it. Um, but I don't think anyone died in the fire. Uh, that's not like that's not necessarily what has to happen for a place to be haunted. The reason that they think she haunts it is because uh, that's where she was happiest was at her summer cottage. So that's why they think that one's haunted. And uh, I mean, then there's also with these things, you have artwork and items from all over the world. And we'll get more into that, obviously, when we talk about the Belcourt castle, like Mm -hmm. they're bringing in statues from Italy and, you know, carvings from Germany and paintings from all over the world. So you have anything could be attached to something like this. And, 
Um, Stephanie says Dave is about to get started on the pirate history. There is a lot of pirate history in Newport. I tried so, to stick this one. Go ahead. So in the late 17th and early 18th oh, century, Rhode Island was a haven for pirates. It was. They, that all changed when Charles Harris and 25 other pirates were hanged. Yep. yep. <laughs> so there could be some pirate ghosts yep. lurking around in Newport. We're, we're saving the pirate ghost of Newport for the next episode of Newport, Dave. So we're going to do Newport part two. It's not next week, but we will because there is a ton of ghost history. So we actually did a, we hung out for the day. We did the mansion tour. Um, we only hit rough point because we, we showed up late. And like I said, I wasn't kidding when I said we walked in right before they closed, but we get it. You had a vacation with your wife. You went to Newport. We understand. Thanks. Can I, can I finish? Cause this is good. You finished uh, it I was, I was, five I was, times. I, I haven't. Cause I have another part of the story that I'm about to tell right. you. If you would shut your stupid mouth and listen, is this fucking so, memento where you just tell us a little part of it? So Dave, so listen, the, uh, we went to Newport and then we actually stuck around and we went to, uh, we did a ghost tour and the ghost tour, which I was about to give Rob credit for because the ghost tour was all of Rob's ghost stories about block Island. And, uh, they had a few about Newport where they touched on the pirate hanging that you're talking about where they hung a whole bunch of pirates and then, um, moved their bodies and buried them face down and did all sorts of stuff post-mortem just to make sure that everyone knew that they hated pirates. And the reason that they did that was actually because they were too soft on the pirates. And they're like, hey, you got to make an example of these guys. And they did. But the rest of the tour was about um, about Block Island and the ships that uh, – what was that that one ship with the, the lighthouse? Palatine. Yeah, the Palatine story and everything. And this guy actually left out a lot of important details. And I was talking to him without trying to sound too much like a douchebag. I was like, hey, do you know how they actually faked the lighthouse thing? He's like, no. I was like, yeah, they had a donkey, put a lantern on him, walked him around in circles. Unless Rob completely made that story up, that's uh, that's a little history that the, the tour guide didn't know about. Nice, so cool ghost story. But like for a lot of the locations that we touched on, we're going to leave that for part two of Newport because you can do a whole episode just on the mansions, is what we did. And then there's other there's a whole bunch of locations inside of Newport that we'll talk about. But the the mansions, as far as I know, not a lot of pirate history. No, I mean, but. The land itself, as Dave was alluding to earlier, there's there's a lot of pirate history with the land. There's a lot of Native American history, obviously, with this area, with all of Rhode Island. So we don't know other circumstances that could have happened, as um, as Dave said earlier as well. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, we're just entrenched in, in a bunch of different things that could have happened before these mansions were even built. Indeed, Papa Squatch says this episode is just him rem- reminiscing about his vacation. Yeah. It wasn't a vacation. It was a day getaway. We had a great time. Let me tell you about it. So, <laughs> he, doesn't get out, he doesn't get out often. <laughs> we don't. We don't. His only uh, day off is Monday. Pat <laughs> Thomas asked if a medium told us about the pirates. No, uh, but there was a medium story mixed in, which was kind of a wild story. Uh, we'll get into the, all that when we get into the Doris Duke stuff. I do want to talk about Belcourt because Belcourt is arguably – uh, the most haunted mansion. In my opinion, it seems like it is. So the Belcourt, uh, we have quite a few stories, actually. You have the woman that was on a tour and she got thrown out of a chair, which sounds like it would be the ghost of like a tour guide who's like, don't sit in the damn furniture. If, you, if you've ever been on one of these tours, mm-hmm. don't touch, you're not supposed to touch anything and you're absolutely not supposed to sit on the furniture because a lot of it is like antique furniture that even when these people purchase this furniture, they would buy it and move it to the house for it to never be sat in because it's some like 
13th century Italian chair or something. And they're like, you never sit in this chair. They, they would literally buy furniture that you're not even supposed to sit on. Right. And for some asshole on a tour to go just sit there and go, I'm just going to take a little rest. You know, that was probably the ghost of a tour. I'd be like, no, the hell you're not. And just threw her onto the floor. And, um, did you, is it a pub chair? <laughs> like the Busby chair reference there. Yeah. Uh, she did not die, but she, uh, she fell onto the floor and she deserved it in my opinion. Go so the, the family that lived there for like 50 years, is it, was it the Tilly? Tinnies. Tinnies. So the Tinnies bought the house. The woman, the woman, uh, Mrs. Tinney, she had gone to like a concert there. I was watching an interview with her earlier today from when she still had the house. Mm-hmm. And she like originally went to a concert there when she was like 16. She became a tour guide there before buying it. And then her and her husband lived there for, I think, 50 years, 50 plus years. before they sold it in like 2012. And if you go back, you can watch some, some videos of her talking about the hauntings of the place. Yep. Before the, was it the um, owner of Alex and Annie? Is that who owns the house now? Correct. Or something like that. Yes. She's one of the owners of uh, Alex and Annie's. Yeah. And now she's restoring the house. But if you see these videos of what this mansion looked like when the Tinnies owned it, it was even more terrifying. Yeah, it was really dark. I mean, I don't know if that's just how they lit it up for the episode, but it was very... Okay, so we watched the same thing? Yeah, I think so. Uh, uh, I tried to watch as much as I could on it, but... Mid-2000s episode of some show, which is so mid-2000s, and the host is like, is this chair really haunted? The guy yeah. was sitting... In, I, and I just wanted to punch myself in the face. Yeah. I couldn't rip any of the footage from it because it was all like 720 by 720 definition. So it was a perfect square. I'm like, who does yeah. this? Yeah. Just and, like uh, the host of that show. <laughs> yeah. He was, oh man, I, I hate too much TV voice. I yeah. can't listen to podcasts where people do those kind of voices too. Just oh. welcome to the podcast. It's like, dude, yeah, relax. Like, like you, you aren't an, a DJ in the 1950s spinning yeah. oldies records. Like, dude, yeah, you're not Casey Case. I'm like, we don't need your top 30 countdown. Thanks. <laughs> you're talking about a ghost. Get spooky or something. Exactly. Bro. Just Actually, anything made in the mid 2000s seems like it's like the worst. Right. Yeah. I mean, a, a lot of times we go back to the uh, the sightings show, which that show is actually great. But that was like <laughs> the first real paranormal mainstream show. Or there might have been others, but that was like that was like news, but ghosts. So, right. But even watching some of those episodes, it's still pieced together with that terrible narration. And but that was TV at the time. So what are you what are you gonna do? But the the interview that they did with her at the Belcourt Castle was there was a ton, and it seemed like she had so much more. I'm like, damn, it feels like there should be another thirty minutes on this episode. Yeah, where she could talk about more of the things that happened. But this was even more so was they were collecting art from all over the place and they just basically created like a haunted museum almost uh, accidentally. And a lot of it was they had collected a ton of um, antique armor and a lot of them they believe were from actual battles and knights had died in that armor. And that's where you get screaming armor ghost, the coolest ghost ever to, to be on the hometown ghost story show. Yeah, <laughs> so, I don't know. It's no Bucky McHat, but we'll, <laughs> we'll let it slide. No, Bucky McHat is legendary. Um, so they had that, they had the, the ghost that seemed to be attached to the, like the ghost monk that was attached to the ghost monk statue. And what was interesting with that one was at first it seemed like a stairs ghost, right? One of the ghosts that you see walking up and down the stairs, we get a lot of those pretty common, Mm -hmm. but they noticed it was always pretty close to the statue and it looked like the statue, right? It was the ghost of a monk and it was near the monk statue. So 
they end up moving it into, I believe it was the Gothic ballroom. I don't know if that's the same as a grand ballroom, but these houses could have multiple. It seemed like it was the same one though, but they moved into the ballroom. And then shortly after they started seeing the ghost in the ballroom of the monk. And so it seemed like it was staying within a close proximity to this statue, which mm-hmm. is another unique story. And then when they moved into the chapel, it vanished. Now, I don't know if that's because the chapel is a holy place or because the monk wanted to be in the chapel. You know, it could have been a Christian situation where it's like, all right, put me put me home. Right. And, um, have they, were there Christian monks or is this just Buddhist? Is that a Buddhist thing? I think there are Christian monks as well. I should know this. Hmm. hmm. Chad, are there Christian monks? And it, so like that's one, so, right? I mean, monk, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Catholic monks. Uh, within Catholicism, a monk is a member of a religious order who lives in a communal. Yeah. They're, they're like nuns, but dudes. Yeah, I should had, know that. They had one in the Da Vinci code, right? The guy that, that whipped himself with some sort of Christian monk. But they're called monks. I thought they're uh, maybe they're like they're called friars or something, I guess. I don't know. I think friars were something different. Probably. Riveting. But stuff. that was gonna be my question, because if it was a monk statue, I was gonna ask if it came from somewhere else, maybe. It came from Germany. Something. It was a German statue. Mm. Mm. So who knows what the history of it is. It seems like a lot of these items they didn't really know the history of them. They could have used an Eduardo Torello, who was an expert at assessing art, but it turns out he was dead, which we'll get into next. Um, but let's, you had that. What's up? Let's stick on this house for a little bit, though, because okay. some of the other stuff that happened in this house is pretty creepy. But to stay on the objects, so they're bringing in all these objects from around the world, but even some of the materials that the house was built with, this is the house that was built with the 15th century stained glass, right? So who even knows where that stained glass came from? I didn't look into the history of it, but like what all happened around that as well, just standing for so long, um, it could have experienced some tumultuous times itself, especially if it's getting replaced into a mansion in Newport. Yeah. It's so much that going on too. Cause these, these families had just a bottomless pit of money and they would just, they would just do stuff that seems completely unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Like I think, I, I don't know if it was the, um, the breakers or a different one. I might be getting confused, but I'm pretty sure they just had the whole thing moved from like France. They're like, yeah, I like that. I want it in America. So piece by piece, they moved the entire thing. I, I might be getting my mentions confused here, but even uh, at rough point, there was an entire floor that was, the size of my house probably. Mm-hmm. And she liked the floor. So she had it moved to her house in like Hawaii or something. And then she's like, mm, actually, no, <laughs> I liked it back there. So they moved it back. Like, and, and if you look, it's not like just one giant piece of floor. This is like intricate pieces that looked like a huge pain in the ass to put back together. And while people are getting paid for this, if I was the guy with that job, I'd be like, you've got Kidding me? And then when she said that, she did like, no, 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 never mind, bring it back. I'd be like, you, you son of a bitch. <laughs> there was an entire mansion in Newport. I think it's part of Salve Regina's um, college now. I could be mixing it up as well, but they, it was a family that owned it in Washington State, I believe, and they, they moved the entire mansion. They had it disassembled piece by piece, the entire mansion, not just the yeah. floor. 
That's what I was talking moved, about. So maybe, maybe that's the mention I was, I was talking about. Yeah, and moved it all the way to Newport, Rhode Island. And then years later, lost the house because they couldn't pay the taxes on it. Yeah, so the one thing that's connected with these three mansions at least, and I'm, I'm, there might be more as well, is it's every single one of these places that we covered is uh, has something to do with the Vanderbilt family. So the Vanderbilt family was the original family from the breakers that we were talking about. And mm-hmm. the Vanderbilt woman is the one that is supposed to haunt that building now. <clears throat> um, the Duke family actually bought Rough Point off of the Vanderbilts and Alva Vanderbilt married um, the Mr. Belmont, who was the original owner of the Belcourt Castle. So all three of these locations had some sort of Vanderbilt tie into it. And I'm pretty sure the Vanderbilts eventually went broke, but they, at the time, they had a lot of money. Maybe because they were moving mansions back and forth and floors <laughs> back yeah. and forth, just doing stupid things with your money. But I mean, I have never been a billionaire, so I can't tell them what they did right or wrong. But I can tell you that there was a lot of things that seemed like they were unnecessary. Right. Yeah. No, it's, it's crazy that they would do the, the things, the things they would do with their money just to impress people. It, it just, it's just, it's almost like disgusting to a point, right? You get a big uh, Great Gatsby vibe. I mean, obviously, this is the Gilded Age, so that's right around what they're talking about. But the uh, all these houses, they just look like they must have thrown some some absolute bangers and parties. Right, and that's part of my point overall is like we could have some residual hauntings of of grand times of like these extravagant parties where like, you know, you remember some of the moments that you went out. Like we remember nights that we went out to a bar. Imagine like if I had better friends that had more money and I could go to these extravagant parties and like hang out with them instead. I would yeah, remember like, those times forever. When your cursed gaming chair finally kills you, you're definitely going to haunt that <laughs> spot in Las Vegas where you try to fall asleep in the street. I mean, it should that intersection should be named after me already, to be fair. <laughs> 100%. Were you able to uh, find any sort of possible origin story for the disembodied arm that pointed through the staircase at the painting that later fell off the wall. What's that story? This is the Belcourt castle. One of the, one of the hauntings there. So I thought I could one. I heard you mention it. I didn't. They, um, I didn't yeah. So this is one of the, the ghost sightings here and this is the entire um, ghost story, but it's what I just said. So somebody caught a disembodied arm that pointed through the staircase at a painting which mysteriously fell from the wall a few minutes later. They got some real wild ghost stories there. Mm. Holy shit. That's, that's so creepy. Like that's that's, that's a really good one. Did you mention the, uh, the mother-in-law story as well? I, I was so enamored with everything else. I sometimes forget which stories you bring up during the episode, but there's Mrs. Tinney's mother-in-law. Mm-hmm. who on the one-year anniversary of her passing away, her ghost was seen walking through the hallway, but it wasn't from the family. It was from a visitor that didn't know the mother and then pointed her out in a picture or something like that. And that story oh, really? was told from Mrs. Tinney herself. Oh, very good. No, I didn't touch on that in the episode, but that's another good one. So, lot, I mean, and that has nothing to do with haunted items. So that would be uh, a whole different kind of haunting where that's mm. someone someone who recently died. So all sorts of hauntings over at uh, the Belcourt castle. And again, it's, it's owned by new people now. So it looks incredibly different from when the Tinnies owned it. They are putting a lot of work into restoring that mansion as 
as of exactly. Now. And it's not that the Tinnies trashed the place either, because I guess it had sat neglected for a good amount of time uh, before they purchased it. And there was a yeah. couple of people that moved in before them. I don't know if they just let the place go to shit or whatever, but they had done a ton of work to restore it as well. But the, when you look at it now, it's it's got a more modern feel. When the when when the Tinnies were there, it looked like you were walking into a haunted house. <laughs> and like I said, did I don't you, know they did it up a little bit for the episode, but it was definitely creepy. I wish they had left the mirror that was on the wall in one of the rooms. There was a mirror. Did you see that yep. whole situation? Yeah, so the um, haunted mirror is very interesting. They don't really know what the origin from that mirror was or why it would be haunted. And the one haunting thing with it it isn't that you see ghosts or you see your death or whatever, like other haunted mirrors that you might see. This one, you could be standing still, nothing could be moving, and everything is moving in the mirror. Like it just, the image never sits straight. So, right. and it's, it's mounted. Of- it was a mounted mirror as well. It wasn't, it wasn't like it was swinging around. It's like, oh, how's this happening? It was literally mounted to the wall and not moving. So it was, yeah, if you go into Rob's house, Rob has all of his mirrors hanging from a rope. Yeah. <laughs> very common but yeah. no it, it is mounted on the wall you're right it's it's fixed and the only thing that i could think of that might make it do that would be if there's candlelight going on in the room because that's going to make everything bounce anyways but they had showed they showed this in the video actually they showed it on camera and it didn't look like there was any candles going but it just wouldn't sit still it was it was kind of interesting and it's just it's not that the mirror is shaking itself it's the image that you're looking at is it's like the room is moving so pretty cool yeah all right, should we get into this uh, this murder that you demanded the tour guide tell you about? Yes. So, I mean, obviously we went over it extensively in the episode. In the episode so uh, probably a little bit more extensively than I should have. But when I get into true crime, I just got to gotta hit on all the, the main points. So the gist of it is she had all the money in the world and she clearly paid off the right people, put the doctor on her payroll, um, paid off the police chief paid off the allegedly just say allegedly so that we don't get sued by somebody i don't allegedly. know who would sue us at this point you never know but uh, alleged uh, i mean yeah i mean she's dead but i mean her lawyers were allegedly allegedly complete scumbags so <laughs> yeah you know i don't know if there's any uh any uh any any low that they won't stoop down to but um yeah so allegedly i mean yeah she definitely ran this dude over Allegedly. Allegedly, on purpose, <laughs> with intent and hate in her eyes. <laughs> Probably yelled mean things out the window. Um, so there was a lot of corroborating evidence. If you haven't already, I would I would read uh, Homicide at Rough Point by Peter Lance. The book is very thorough, and the interviews that he gives are very thorough, and he goes over everything. And I, I kind of touched on it briefly, like, oh, this guy had this story, this guy had that story. He has the interviews with these people, and it's just very clear that they didn't care about the facts in the story. They closed it out within three days. They moved on and then they're up. I mean, the, the police chief at the time was making like five grand a, a year or something like that. Like he was not making a lot of money up and retires a few months after the murder and uh, just goes and buys multiple condos down in Florida. Uh, miraculously, he must've been a really good saver. Yeah. So invested his money well into uh, covering up that murder. Allegedly. <laughs> But the, um, yeah, it's it just it's just clear that they uh, they didn't care. And then, like, what a piece of shit move when the family sues for two hundred grand, which is nothing to Doris at the time. She's literally, right. I mean, if she's making a million a week mm-hmm. in interest alone on her fortune, 
that means she has that money in about what less than a day. Right. Right. So yeah. it's just pay, just pay them and be like, eh, you know, sucks that yeah. I hit him with the car. Didn't mean to her story sucked. So the reason that I, I had, I had said the obvious point of her releasing the parking brake mm-hmm. before stepping on the gas is there was like five intentional acts that lead this to allegedly be intentional homicide, which was, she slid into the driver's seat. That's act one. She released the parking brake. That's act two. Stomped on the gas. That's act three. Um, stomped on the brakes to get him off the hood of the car. That's act four. Hit the gas again. That's act five. And then crashed into a tree. So there's five intentional acts that she pulled off and she claims that it was a mistake. She said that, you know, she had released the parking brake. But uh, I don't know. If she, I think she might have said it was by accident. But on that particular car, you had to do it with your hand or, or something like that. <clears throat> and it was the acts after the fact too, like bribing the doctor, bribing the police. Right. Well, that's all. I mean, it's Here's on right. record. I mean, he, that, the doctor was literally on her payroll. So it's, it's, and it happened the night that she went in there and his claim was that she was bleeding profusely from the head and couldn't be, couldn't speak to anybody, but people that saw her right after the accident, not even just the eyewitness who came out like a, like last year, I'm talking about eyewitnesses that they talked to that worked at rough point at the time. They were like, they didn't see any visible injuries. The first cop that responded to the scene didn't see any injuries. If she was bleeding profusely from the head, somebody would have noticed. So with no physical injuries, I mean, she went to the hospital, she put them on the payroll. Eight days later, she makes a massive donation to the hospital. She also makes a massive donation to the town, restores the cliff, the cliff walk. The reason that the cliff walk is so nice now, if anybody's ever been there, is because of her donation, which I think was like 25 grand at the time, which is probably closer to like 150 grand today. So it was um, sizable donations that she made. And then everybody that was involved in the case that helped her cover it up, allegedly got promotions, many that they shouldn't have gotten. So the guy that was like the, uh, initial, um, investigator that asked her questions, he leapfrogged right over the guy that was like ready to take, um, the police chief job whenever the police chief was supposed to retire. And he just leapfrogged right over and they, they gave him the job instead. Just everyone got promoted. Everyone got paid. We already went over it in the episode. There isn't much left in that case that I don't think we've touched on, unless you, if you guys had anything that you wanted to add about it. I just wanted to touch on Matthew Thomas's comment where he says, Jesse grills tour guides in each episode, which I actually pitched a few days ago where in our little private group chat, you were telling us about your experience. I'm like, you should just, we should just film you just interrogating every tour guide aggressively. <laughs> I did because I wasn't even the first one. I, mean, I, know you don't want, serious. Don't want to, I know you don't want to hear about it, but after I kind of grilled the, uh, the tour guide for missing some key points in some of the rub stories. But uh, that's where this story kind of kicks off. And this is what makes Rough Point unique is because if you search online, as much as I could find, I couldn't find anything on Rough Point being haunted. And we did our tour. We finished the tour. And I had brought it up to the guy that I berated. I was like, is this place haunted? He's like, I don't think so. I was like, okay, fine. And then as we're about to leave, there was a few women that worked at the place and they were standing at the front door. And um, I just, I just kind of, you know, asked him a couple things. And I was like, you know, do, do you think this place is haunted? And one woman was like, absolutely. This place is haunted. She's like, Oh, I have some stories for you. I was like, okay, well, let's go. And every story that I hit on on this came from the staff there. So she told me the story about the, um, the footsteps from the Oxford shoe. And she's very specific about the sound of that shoe, which is why mm-hmm. I put it in the episode, because she gave me that very specific detail of it sounding like it came from an Oxford shoe. So I don't know if that's something that someone wore in the house at the time or what the significance of that is, but apparently it has a distinct sound. And that's what she heard came right towards her. 
And she thought it was somebody that she worked with. So she said, uh, you know, hi, it's Jan. I'll be right with you. And then there was nobody there. And that was pretty scary. And then she told us that story. And then the, the story about someone getting pictures of orbs in the basement. And then another woman who initially said that she didn't think the place was haunted had brought up um, the, she's like, actually, I do have a story. And then she brought up the story about the clock, which she seemed like a very, well put together, like not a they you are know, like not a crazy cat lady with her gems or whatever. Like, like it, it wasn't it wasn't a story that would normally a, a lady that you would ever expect a ghost story to come from. But she told us the story about the grandfather clock, which was a weird one because the grandfather clock going off. First of all, it shouldn't be going off because it doesn't work. Second of all, the weird thing about it was she was the only one that heard it. So it's almost like it had made a sound that was only meant for her to hear. And it's just a weird element. I don't know what the take on that would be or with all the books that I've read on ghosts. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It sounds like someone's trying to get a message to her in particular. And I don't know yeah. why it would be a, a clock making the noise that only she can hear. But she said it was like clear as day right next to her. Bong. And she she heard that and she looked around and nobody else heard it. And uh, it wasn't the first time. I guess it had had a, a couple of, happened a couple of times. And then then the guy that I yelled at a guy that hated me, he came in and I thought he was going to be like, get out of here. But he's like, I have a story to tell. I'm like, I wasn't expecting this from you. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> he had the story about walking through the basement and he saw the figure move right to left to a dead end hallway. And then when he turned that corner, nobody was there. So a lot of cool stories. And it is, it is a fact that they have the uh, good night Doris um, mm-hmm. Ritual or whatever you want to call it that they do at the end of the night. And every night they said, every night, everyone knows the entire staff. And then some other girl came in. She's like, yup, got to say goodnight to Doris. I don't know why, but that's what they do. And so oh, they she'll do stab that. you. She'll run you over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what was very creepy was in the house on the second floor, when you go to Doris's bedroom, I don't know if it's happening or better. Actually, no, there's like a music room, like right next to it where they have like her piano and everything they have records of her singing because she used to do gospel choir and stuff like that. So they have this like record playing of her singing and it's super, super eerie. Like when you go there, you're like, Oh, you shouldn't have done this. It's just like (laughs) a a constant loop of her singing. It's it's like, it's the creepiest thing I've ever seen. And I've been to so many haunted houses. Like, this is like, like, like the, the the local haunts during Halloween are doing the wrong thing. Like all you got to do is just play some creepy music. But well, that that era of music, especially like if it's played on like the right sound system, um, go to like the game Bioshock, for example. You have that era of music being played on like these record players, and it and with the right setting, it is just the creepiest shit ever. Just hearing that old jazzy um, record playing, slight static kicking a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So. so the creepy thing with that was the one story which we kind of started and ended the episode on was one night this woman, she did forget. She forgot to say goodnight, Doris. She thought she saw someone in the window, which is creepy as it is. And then she went back and she was the only one working that night. She opened the door and she whispered goodnight, Doris. And then she heard the music coming from upstairs, which is something that they actually heard quite a few times. Is the uh, Obviously, during the day it's going on, but when they're closing up and all the power's off and everything, they hear the record playing again upstairs with uh with her music and um gospel singing it you know it wasn't uh the songs that i heard didn't sound like gospel they sounded like more jazzy music that they were playing from her so i don't know what she recorded she had a record label for a little bit uh i think that was with castro the guy that they secretly got married or something Mm -hmm. and 
Um, so says, uh, I love that someone disrespected her piano playing and she gave him the butcher knife. Yeah, that was, <laughs> it was a wild story. Yeah. Apparently he got like a hundred or so stitches from it too. Like it wasn't just a little, little poke, like, Hey, don't make fun of me. It was like an actual slash across his arm. So yeah. So he stood her over that rough point. Doesn't sound like it would be a fancy mansion in Newport. It sounds like an area of town that you should avoid. It does. Doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. But it's, like, I'm from rough point. Don't mess with me. <laughs> Yeah. Does it have to do with like its proximity to like cliffs or something near the yeah, water? It's, it's right on the cliff walk. And yeah. while a lot of these properties are also on the cliff walk, um, this one in particular, like they have beach access, mm-hmm. but it looks like instant death. Like it's, it's, there's no sand. It's just, I don't know if I was there during high tide, but it, I think that's where it got its name because it's, it is the, up at a point on the beach and it is, it looks insane. So it's got a, yeah, like super rocky. There's a bridge that goes over it and like a little dip down, but you just, you would never go down there. It looks like a place you would just immediately die. So what I've learned from this episode, other than a lot of interesting stories about Newport mansions is that when we finally live out my dream of starting our own ghost tour company, um, you are going to catch a lot of karma from people that you bring on a tour and they start shaking you violently to get the real story of places. <laughs> I was, I would argue that my wife was actually more assertive than I was. Cause That's I, I not, brought it up. on my <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, he's like, well, she never killed anyone. She goes, allegedly. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so that's the story of Newport. But but what was what's interesting about Rough Point, like I said, is that this seems like exclusive, almost breaking ghost news. Is that this mansion, <laughs> the staff thinks that it's extremely haunted. So if we you get it here first, yeah, can we get like a breaking news? Uh, we need like a <laughs> yeah, we need that. We need like a breaking banner to run across the news. bottom, of the, a marquee <laughs> to go across the, the yeah. Breaking news: one of the you know the Rough Point mansion is now haunted. So, um, but that's coming from people that are there every day and that's coming, coming from, from staff. people that were terrified of you and just trying to get you out of their mansion. <laughs> I guess I should have stopped pounding on the desk. When I, was talking to them. I don't know. Like, sorry. I just want to get my point across. We're running out of time. We got there late, <laughs> but the place is sick. I would, I would highly recommend that you guys uh, go visit. Uh, yes. Um, so anyways, is there anything else in Newport you wanted to touch on for now? I have one story to bring up. It, and it's just real quick. We won't ever cover this in an actual episode, but it's the um, jailhouse in the jailhouse in. And basically there is a, an old jailhouse that, and I think it was 1986. They converted it to a hotel and they've had some major renovations in the last 20 years as well, but they have seen disembodied. They've had disembodied voices. They've had some paranormal activity, but they have no history, which is weird. Because there's, it's an actual well, they jail have history so. on the building, but they don't have any history of anyone. That's what dying I mean. There. That's so, what I mean, or anything like dramatic happening or to that effect. So it's just people. It was essentially used to hold prisoners, like for really small crimes, nothing major, right? Mm-hmm. So, but they they do have some hauntings that occur in the hotel. So this was actually one of those spots that we visited on the ghost tour, and while the stories that were told was basically what you just said, where there wasn't, they don't really know why it's haunted, but they think it's haunted. What I experienced when I went there is a frantic couple that was outside 
and the guy's freaking out and the, the woman's panicking. I'm like, what the hell's going on? I'm like, sick. I have a domestic dispute to watch. So I'm just going to watch this instead. And they were arguing because she refused to go back into the hotel and not because really? they were like, punching each other or anything. Like it wasn't anything like that, but she was, she was horrified. And, and he's like, you guys want a ghost tour? And we're like, yeah, what happened? I'm like, I heard this place is haunted. He goes, he goes, well, my wife certainly thinks it is. I'm making this guy sound a lot more abusive than he was. He's, he was a nice guy, but the, uh, <laughs> But she's, she comes over, she's like, she's like, I'm not going back in there. I'm like, dude, what the hell happened? She shows me a picture. She's like, look at this picture. And it was a picture of them. Like, they took a selfie. But something, like, there was, like, a ghost arm around the guy's neck. Oh, and wow. it, it was like, she's like, he's, you know, he's being choked in this photo. Like, like I, I can't go back in there. And he's, he's, he's like, tell her it's not a ghost. And I'm looking closer at the photo. And here's, here's the sad ending to this almost seemingly awesome ghost story. I'm looking at the picture. I'm like that's the shadow from your arm taking the picture <laughs> and you couldn't really notice it at first, but you could faintly see the phone in her hand at the end. And it was just the way she was holding up the camera. And so I, I feel like I, I feel like I saved the day a little bit or at least their night, but I was actually Might've really disappointed. Marriage. I was disappointed when I debunked the photo, but this is why we're here, right? Not everything is ghosts. Sometimes it's just a shadow that might look like it's strangling your husband. But just I really the, I, like that half of this episode was Jesse telling us about his vacation and then how he's a superhero that saved a marriage. Like that's what this entire episode is boiled down to. When we visit locations, we have to talk about visiting location. All right. I was there. Anyway, I, I, that was such a sad story because I really wanted that to be like, oh, my God, you got this ghost photo. Send me the picture. I'll take a picture of your picture if you don't want to do that. And But then it, as soon as it was debunked, I was like, damn, that was almost the coolest ghost story that has ever happened at the jailhouse inn. But It's too bad because you could have started shaking them as well. I'm like, show me where the ghost is. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's right, Ricardo. I am Superman. Yes. So with that being said, uh, that's that's rough point. We're going to touch on plenty of other locations in Newport. We'll do a Newport part two for sure. Um, Maybe we'll line up an investigation there. Go over. But that is pretty much what I find to be the most interesting stories behind the mansions. There are many, many more mansions over there Mm -hmm. that I haven't uh, touched on yet. So I I looked through them. I couldn't really find too many haunted stories. But when there isn't one, you just go to the mansion, you shake down the staff, and you get your haunted (laughs) story. That's the dedication we have for you folks. Put our lives on the line. Anyways, uh, it's amazing. It's absolutely yeah. amazing. That's that. But I, I think my favorite of, of the three is probably the Belcourt Castle. Um, yeah, the Belcourt Castle just has like a lot of interesting history and probably stuff that we don't even know. Just as we touched on all the stuff that they brought in, although that's with all the mansions. But that one in particular, they were bringing in items from everywhere. It's got mm-hmm. the most unique haunting stories, too. Right. You know, it's got the screaming suit of armor it's got the ghostly disembodied hand that pointed at the piece of art it's got the french gothic ballroom dancing ghosts it's just it's got quite a few so i'm glad you guys looked into it and brought up some of the other ghost stories that were there because yeah that's got some of the some some of the more unique ones and as chat knows and everyone knows that kind of we relay some of these jokes around because in a lot of these hauntings you get the same stories we actually made a bingo game out of it or I don't know what you want to call it, but we're like, all right, is there going to be a story about a woman in white? Will there be a story about children's laughter? Will there be a story about knocking and footsteps being heard? Will there be stories about, you know, orbs or whatever? And it, it of course, the tour hit on every single bullet point. But those are the most common hauntings. And not to say that those aren't real. It's just good to get a location where we get some stories that are completely different than others. And also, 
uh, Rough Point also falls in that category. All three of those stories were kind of unique. So, right. That's that. So that's that's Newport Part One. What do you got coming up, gentlemen? Uh, next week we're going to be doing a location that's a little bit different than other stuff that we've covered. And that is going to be Helltown, Ohio, since the chat bullied me into that last week. <laughs> well, you did bring it up. So I just said it was a good idea. I, I said it I was would an argue, idea. I would, I would argue that chat was supporting you. Eh, Great idea, eh. Rob. Yeah. I mean, well, we yeah, all we know. Bull, we bullied him into it, so he's going to do it. Yeah. I'm going to be doing Helltown, Ohio. So that'll be next week. Uh, Dave, do you know what you're doing the week after? Yeah, pretty sure we're going to head up to New Hampshire and do the Balsam's Grand Resort Hotel. A lot of cool hauntings there. Oh, nice. That, awesome. that'll, be, that'll be fun. And just see... I'm sorry, I was going to say this Friday we have Celebrity Hauntings where we're going to do uh, John Lennon. The ghost of John Lennon. Yes. And Jesse is wearing a Salem shirt, which is fun because we will be doing next week at some point, we will be doing some... TikTok lives from Salem while we start to put a Salem episode together. Yes. So make sure you're following us on TikTok because that's probably the only place you'll see that, I'm assuming. I'm not really sure how we're going to play that at this moment, but I know we will be going live on TikTok once or twice while we're out there. Very good. Very good. That is the plan. So we'll be doing, in particular, we are staying at the Hawthorne Hotel, which is supposed to be one of the most haunted hotels in the country. Shocker. Um, but it legitimately is. We're talking about Salem here. So of course we're going to have some very, very haunted locations. I haven't done a haunted hotel in a few months. I don't think it's been a little bit. We did. Yeah. Um, yeah I can't we, think we've of done, we've done quite a, I mean, we did Emily Morgan. We did, but this will have an investigation inside the hotel as well. So that's going to be the plan. Well, we did another thank, investigation hotel one. Well, we well, did Vermont. Yeah. Oh, true. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. There were some, there's plenty of other hotels that we touched on as well. I just can't think of them off the top of my head. I want to thank our patrons. So we have uh, Sydney B. Oh, man. I think I put you in the episode. I think I put you on the patron screen as Stephanie B because everyone's name is Stephanie. So I apologize if I messed up your name on that, but we're thanking you here right now. Sydney B, thank you for being a patron. Uh, Mark M, Papa Squatch, Mike B, Brandon W, Sarah W, Soph M, Hooper, Jake V, Stephanie A, Seth W, uh, Seth Dave Sucks W, Captain McSlug, Sarah Dave Loves Bacon R, and then our VIPs, we have Stephen V and Lisa J. Thank you guys so much. Shout out to Irish Assassin. I appreciate you swinging by, buddy. Always good to see you. Uh, Matt Thomas has declared that this episode is the Jesse Super Husband episode. Thank you for that. That is uh, that is what I will be naming it. <laughs> so. Um, so we had a five-star review that I wanted to read. It's from Lover123 says love it i listen to podcasts at work and i searched ghost stories and i got hooked on it right away um i listen to it at work and it's scary because i work in a hotel and i hear a lot of weird noises so you're mixing being in a scary place with our scary stories and yeah it's probably going to enhance the experience a little bit which i suggest you should do 100 percent. like when you guys make me watch horror movies i'd have to do it in my haunted house usually one by myself that makes it scarier <laughs> um also wanted to thank rachel who sent us in some really cool stories about connecticut and rhode island and elena reaching out and asking for some book suggestions on stuff that we've done via email very cool well thank you so much 
With that being said, that'll pretty much do it. I want to thank you guys for tuning in, and we will catch you guys on Friday for Celebrity Hauntings. For those Patreon members, it will be available tomorrow for you. We'll see you guys soon. Thanks. Peace.